Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. I want to take just a moment, and if you missed last week, uh, make sure that you jump online. It's saved on our uh, on our website, it's saved on our podcast, and it's also, I'm sure, still in our Facebook feed as well. But you're gonna wanna stay caught up. We've got some very important information that we're sharing with you straight from the heart of God. And this message series is the most important topic that Jesus talked about. It was the pinnacle at the end of Jesus's life as a human being on the very last night of his life. He taught so many truths about the Holy Spirit. It was the most important thing that he could convey to his disciples before he was arrested, just hours before he was taken captive. The number one thing that he wanted to talk to them about was specifically the relationship they would have with and the opportunity that they had to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And we want you to know that we are with you and we are for you and we want to do everything we possibly can to help you and every member of your family receive the power of the Holy Spirit uh, in your your life so that you can walk in the fullness of who God designs you to be. Last week we talked about the Holy Spirit being your communication upgrade. God is upgrading communication with you. Now the teacher, the helper, the the guide, the advocate, the counselor lives inside of you. And so that's where we're going with this today. I want to dive in to our message. And I want to take just a second and ask this one question. What's the big deal about the Holy Spirit? What's the big deal? Why is the Holy Spirit and the topic of the Holy Spirit and the infilling and indwelling and baptism of the Holy Spirit and gifts of the Holy Spirit, why is it so controversial? Why is it one of the number one uh, hotbeds uh, or topics that cause people to click out or to, or to opt out of a church because they think it might be a little too strange or too weird. Um, typically, it has to do with the understanding and the expression and the teachings about the Holy Spirit and the gifts that came with the Holy Spirit. Jesus declared and the scriptures declare that when he would go up and ascend, that he would send down gifts to men, and that was the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the gift of the Holy Spirit is the gift that keeps on giving. It's the gift that gives you the opportunity to hear the voice of God and declare uh, what God is saying and have supernatural knowledge and be able to pray in a supernatural way. Uh, we're gonna dig into that as we walk through this series and help you understand so many of the different gifts of the Spirit so that you can walk in the power that God has for you. It, it would be, I would, I would consider it rude if I gave someone a gift and it was something very meaningful, and it was something that would really change and revolutionize their life, and they said thank you, and they received it, and then they set it on a shelf, and they never opened it, having no consideration for the price that I may have paid to purchase that gift and prepare to, to bring something great into their lives. It's important that we take the time to understand the Holy Spirit, to unwrap it, to unpackage, and figure out how we individually can interact with and relate with this uh, expression of who God is. It's God's spirit. There is one God, one true God, and we know him as Father, as the Son, the Word of God, and also as his spirit. And in the very beginning, in the beginning of creation, when God made Adam, he breathed into him. And the word in the Hebrew is ruach, 
the breath of God. It literally means the spirit of God. God's first thing he did when he made Adam, when he formed him out of clay, is he breathed and put his own spirit into him. It's the first and it's the most important thing that God did when he created Adam was put his own spirit into him so that Adam wouldn't operate out of a different spirit, but he would operate out of the spirit of the living God. So this is a big deal. This is the first thing that God did, and it's a still a big deal today. Now, I don't know how you grew up. I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, and, and man, it was, it was the hotbed. It was the wild, wild west uh, of anything uh, in the 80s, anything that was Pentecostal and anything that was going to become something maybe wacky or weird. Man, it happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was kind of like a hub uh, there of all kinds of wild stuff, and so consequently, nothing shocks me. Uh, when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Uh, nothing shocks me, and, and that may not be the case with other people. There are people that I know that are very uh, uneasy around different expressions of the Holy Spirit, but it's important that instead of opting out, it's more important that we seek to understand. I have a friend that um, was from a different type of church. It was a very much a what they would call a liturgical church where there was uh, lots of uh, repetition and sitting and standing and, and a, a beautiful expression that a lot of people connect to and love to worship God that way. But when he came and visited our church, um, the expression of the Holy Spirit was so different. It was uh, so vast in comparison that this friend of mine, he made a joke and he, he called me a snake charmer because we talked about the Holy Spirit. And there are people out there that get really, really weird and they'll take a verse out of the Bible that says, when Jesus actually said that you'll trample on scorpions and snakes and they will not harm you. There are people that take that a little too far. The Bible says, don't tempt the Holy Spirit of God. And so it's important. We're not supposed to go play with snakes simply because the Bible says we have authority over them. That could end up with you having a really bad day, right? But this individual who at one point thought that my experience was a little different and a little weird to him, then later on, a couple years down the road, found himself having a new experience with God and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit and learning about the power of the Holy Spirit in a completely different way and it's beautiful to see if we'll just keep our eyes open and our hearts open to recognize that God wants to take each and every one of us on a journey and open us up to the fullness of who he is and to all that he has in store for us. So what is the big deal with the Holy Spirit? It starts with what Jesus said in John chapter 14 we addressed last week that the world doesn't know him but we do. There are people that just simply can't relate. It, it's too strange. It's too weird. It doesn't make sense. But Jesus said to his disciples, the world doesn't know him. The world doesn't understand him. They can't perceive him. But you know him for he has been with you and he will be in you. So Jesus described an opportunity that was forthcoming for the Holy Spirit to begin to dwell inside of individuals. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of the living God comes and lives inside of you, Jesus said the Spirit has been with you, but soon he will be in you. And this is something that's so powerful and it's so revolutionary inside of the history of mankind that we have the opportunity 
to literally be the temple of the living God. The Bible says that you are the temple of the living God. In the old days, the, uh, in, the, in the Jewish era, there was a temple that was built. The first one uh, built by um, Solomon. And then again, Herod rebuilt the temple. And in the temple, there was, a, there was the wall. There was the, uh, the structure that the temple sat on when we were there in Israel just a few weeks ago. The only thing that's left of the temple now is literally the retaining wall that goes around it. If you've ever seen a retaining wall uh, around a house, around a garden, it's literally a wall that's built up thick and strong enough to hold the dirt in and to create a flat surface. Well, that's what they did around a mountain in Israel. They built these massive, huge stones, stones that literally are uh, 12 foot and 15 foot long and four foot high and, and four foot wide and massive. They weigh tons and tons and tons of pounds each. And they literally built moving with a pulley system and they built a retaining wall around a mountain and then filled it up with dirt and created a flat surface. And on top of that, they built the temple of God. The temple had three main components. It had an outer court where people would come inside and there was an outside court where anybody could come in um, and, and be around uh, the worship expression as long as they were uh, ceremonially clean. And when we were there this last couple months ago or last a month ago, we literally saw there were hundreds and hundreds of ritual baths outside when you would walk up those southern steps. All of these different baths that people would go and they would walk down into the bath and cleanse themselves and then come out clean and go into the temple. Once you got inside of that courtyard, then you would go into what the, the next people were allowed. They would go into the holy place. And then inside of the holy place was what was called the holy of holies. And for a number of years, for centuries, inside of the holy of holies, whether it was in the tabernacle that was a tent version or it was inside of the actual built structure of the temple that was made out of beautiful, uh, what's called Jerusalem stone, this white rock, gorgeous stone that they use for every single building in Jerusalem over there. Uh, it, was, it was this massive structure that was literally, they built it up on top of a mountain and then built it up above the mountain so that the temple was literally the highest place of any other place in all of Jerusalem. It was uh, literally the top of the temple was taller than all of the surrounding mountains. Well, now when you go, all of that has been destroyed. The only thing that's left is the retaining wall, the what the, and, and what they call the specifically the Western Wall, or you've heard it maybe called the Wailing Wall, is where traditional and Orthodox Jews go to pray. And the reason they go and pray there is because they believe that that's the Western Wall is the wall that's the closest to at the center point. It's the closest to where the Holy of Holies used to be, hasn't been for a couple thousand years, but it used to be there. And they believed that the Spirit of God, when the temple was destroyed and, and the Spirit was displaced, went and resided inside of the walls of, of, of that western wall, and that's where they go and pray. Our guide told us this when we were there, um, who's an expert, he's a Jewish man and an expert in all of their uh, history and their beliefs and has been there uh, in the nation uh, since the 40s. And this gentleman uh, shared with us that the reason they pray there is they believe that the Holy Spirit of God is residing inside of that wall, the retaining wall, waiting for the temple to be rebuilt. Now, when I was there, that actually, and I heard that that was their belief, it actually made me very sad 
Because we as Christians, we as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, recognize that one of the things that happened when Jesus died, it says that there was an earthquake, that the sky turned black, and that the veil of the temple was torn. The veil of the temple, um, it, 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 it was... We normally think of veil like a wedding veil that covers the face. Well, that was the idea, but the veil of the temple was 20 foot tall. It was a curtain, one piece of curtain, 20 foot tall and 30 foot wide, and it was as thick, the, the material was as thick as the breadth of a man's hand. We're talking about a five inch thick piece of fabric, 20 foot tall and 30 foot wide. And when Jesus died, that fabric, the scriptures declare, ripped from top to bottom. It ripped from the top. God literally went rah and ripped the, the curtain open. And the, one of the uh, uh, scholars that I have read said that, that five team of oxen pulling in opposite directions could not have ripped that curtain. It was that dense and thick and strong. But when Jesus died, God ripped that curtain from top down, signifying this is not done by any human being. This was done by God. And God's spirit left that place. God no longer dwells inside of a building. God now dwells inside of you. He dwells inside of me. He wants to live inside of us. We are the temple of the living God. And your heart now is the holy of holies where God's spirit can live and reside. And what that means to you is that you have access to the spirit of the living God 24 hours a day. Nobody stands in the way of you accessing the spirit of the living God. God himself living inside of you inside of your heart. Your heart is the holy of holies and you have direct access to God anytime you need it. Anytime you want to, you have access and you have to recognize how huge of a deal that is. He's not living in some retaining wall. He's living inside of you. I want to read a verse or two to you. This verse is Acts chapter 7, verse 48. It says, however, the most high does not dwell in temples made with hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all things? You are the temple of God. He does not live in a building. He lives inside of you. Now, I want to take you to the uh, passage that is really our home base passage for this scripture today. This is found in John chapter 16. This is one of the greatest illustrations or teachings about the Holy Spirit that Jesus ever made. And it's going to answer the question for us today, what is the fuss? What is the big deal? Why are people so easily offended discussing the Holy Spirit? And why is it such a place of contention inside of the body of Christ and inside the church? And this verse gives us the understanding and helps us know why. Are you ready? Turn in your Bible with me. Get ready to take some notes. This is uh, John 16, verse 7. Jesus is speaking. This is part of the conversation when they were walking uh, from the Last Supper to the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, where Jesus would weep and cry out to God for help and say, if there's any way for this cup to pass before me, please, but not my will, but your will be done, Father. And he was in such agony that scripture says that he he sweated out drops of blood. That's how much stress and pressure was on him. The weight of the sins of the world were upon him. And Jesus took all of that for you. 
Come on, guys, we're coming in to Easter season right now. Next week is Palm Sunday. The week after that is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. This is one of the most powerful, beautiful, incredible times of the year for us to recognize what Jesus has done for us. None of us deserved it, but he gave his life for us. He died for us. He took all of our sins. While we were still sinning, Scripture says, Christ died for us. He loves you. And he didn't just die, listen to me, he didn't just die so that you could get to heaven. Jesus died to get heaven inside of you. He died so that the Holy Spirit of the living God could come and live inside of you to bring heaven to earth so that you could be his emissary in the earth and you could actually walk in the power and the authority and live the life that Jesus designed for you to live. Watch this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Number one thing, it's to your advantage that Jesus died and went away. See, a lot of people think, I wish Jesus were still alive today. I wish we could be there uh, and I could have been one of the original disciples and I could have been there when Jesus was alive and walking on the planet. Yes, that would have been incredible. Yes, that would be wonderful. But Jesus actually declared, blessed uh, are you that have seen me, but more blessed are you are those that believe and haven't seen me. So there's an opportunity for us that haven't seen him to walk in even greater blessing because of that. But here's the other piece. Jesus, the spirit of the living God, the Bible says, all of the spirit, all of the Godhead dwelt in Jesus in bodily form. So when Jesus walked the planet, all of who God was, was dwelling inside of Jesus. When Jesus was baptized in the water, he came up out of the water. When he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and remained. And that's when Jesus began to walk in supernatural power, do miracles, feed thousands of people, uh, take authority over demons, heal people left and right. That's when Jesus walked in authority, when the Holy Spirit came upon him and indwelled him and lived in him and remained. And Jesus carried all of the Holy Spirit in one place. Now, here's why it's so important that when Jesus died and then he ascended into heaven and 50 days later after he died, 10 or, or about four, it was 40 days that he would vis visited with the people and would come and reveal himself. And then he ascended up into heaven. The last seven days, the disciples were in the upper room. And on the 50th day, which is Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. And the sons and the daughters prophesied. It was an incredible experience. We'll read that uh, in later services as we move in that direction. But what you need to understand about that is that one of the reasons that Jesus said it's good for you to go, because if I don't go, I can't send the helper to come and be with you, is because Jesus. Jesus was limited in one body to be at one place in one time. And when Jesus died and then released the Holy Spirit into the earth, in the first day of that Holy Spirit, Jesus' spirit entered in to 3,000 people instead of one body filled with the Holy Spirit. Now there's 3,000 that are filled with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, this whole thing gets flipped and taken up to an exponential increase of power and release of who God is in the earth. It's better for Jesus to have gone away because he sent the Holy Spirit now to fill us so that we can mass multiply the goodness of God in the earth. That's really, really big news. Then it goes on to say, and when he has come, watch this, this is gonna explain a lot. 
He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Those three things. Remember those three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you will see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Those three things. That's the answer to why this message of the Holy Spirit and the understanding of the Holy Spirit and specifically the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is so contentious and and so uh, hated on so many levels. Three reasons. Number one, when the Holy Spirit came, he convicted the whole world of sin because they did not accept Jesus Christ. Anyone who did not accept Jesus was instantly convicted of sin and that creates a separation and and almost an anger because when people are are convicted of something and they don't recognize it and they don't see their own blame because they didn't accept Jesus, then they become angry that you think you're better than me and you think that you have a better position. You think that you're right and I'm wrong. And that conviction of the Holy Spirit is what separates light and dark. It's what separates right and wrong. It creates the opportunity for people in the earth to be convicted by God to repent and say yes to him. But if they reject him, they become separated from him. Now, the second thing is righteousness because Jesus said, I am going to the Father. Now, what does that mean? Why is that so important? Jesus created the one way for human beings to be made right, and that is to put their faith in him because he died for our sins and ascended to the Father and he fulfilled all righteousness. And the Bible is very clear that there's one way to the Father, and Jesus is that one way. Jesus himself declared, unless you come through faith in me, you cannot have access to the Father. It's not cruel, it's not mean, it's not judgmental for we Christians to say, no, there's only one way. There's one way, it's Jesus. That's the delineation, guys. It's not a whole bunch of different ways. It's not a whole bunch of different options. You find your way and I'll find my way. It's one way. That's why this is contentious because the world has been convicted of their sin And Jesus fulfilled all righteousness by dying, descending to the grave, ascending to heaven, sending his spirit down. Jesus fulfilled all righteousness, and there's one way to the Father now. And the final thing is where it really gets nasty. It says, and judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. That's the big one right there, guys, because that's what goes beyond people being upset because they feel convicted. It goes beyond people being offended because we say there's one way named Jesus. Now we're talking about the actual spiritual uh, ruler of darkness in this world that has once and for all been judged by God, and he has been damned to eternity in the lake of fire, and he has been defeated once and for all, and he knows it, and it happened through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the ascension of Jesus Christ and then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So now let me walk you through something that's gonna help you understand a little bit more. Remember I mentioned earlier that it was 50 days from the resurrection to Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out, okay? Now watch this. There are two numbers that are important inside of that 50. The two numbers are 40 and 10. The first 40 days, 
Jesus was appearing and disappearing. He was coming and going, and he was revealing himself. Actually, I take that back. There were three days that he was in the grave, and then he rose. In the next 40 days, he ascended and descended, and he, was, uh, or, or he, it, he came and he went and he taught the people. He revealed himself, and then there were seven days after that uh, that were the last three days. So it was a period of three, 40, and seven, or it was specifically the number of 40 and then the other group of 10. Now watch this. The number 40 represents biblically a trial. When those 40 days were happening and Satan was, or, 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 and Jesus was revealing himself to, the man, to mankind, the devil was on trial. This is just what Jesus said. When the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to judge the enemy. Satan was being judged. He was on trial for 40 days while Jesus was testifying about himself. And then the last, the extra of those 10 days getting to 50, 10 is the number specifically for a judgment. So 40 is the number for a trial, 10 is the number for a judgment, and Satan has been judged once and for all. So it's important that we understand that this is a really, really big deal, and it's a big deal to the devil, and the devil is the one who is stirring people up. The devil is the one who's so angry about this. He does not want you to open your heart and mind to receive the Holy Spirit to fully come into your life. Why? Because every time you operate in the Holy Spirit, Every time you connect to the Holy Spirit through prayer, every time you receive a message of God through the Holy Spirit and you speak it out and you declare it out, every single time it reminds the devil of the worst day of his entire life. Scriptures declare that if 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 the prince of darkness had only known, if the rulers of this world had only known what they were doing, they would have never crucified the Son of Man. That's what Scripture declares. So every time the enemy thinks about this Holy Spirit, it reminds him of his biggest mistake ever and the biggest loss that he has been judged. He has been damned for all eternity. That's what that word means. Damned means judged. And he has no shot. He has no chance. It's over for him. And now his only hope is to talk you out of what Jesus purchased for you with his blood. If he can talk you out of it, if he can get you to agree with him, if, you can, if he can get you to opt out and say, no, bro, that's too weird for me. You want to do that? That's cool. You want to you interact with some woo spirit thing? That's cool for you, but I'm just going to be over here and I'll just believe, but I'm not going to deal with that part. Well, here's the problem. Jesus said this. Jesus said, you can blaspheme or speak against the Son and be forgiven. But then Jesus said, but anyone who blasphemes or speaks against the Holy Spirit can never be forgiven. The most important thing you do, y'all, is you open yourself up. Yes, believe in Jesus Christ, but believe in Jesus Christ for the specific purpose that he came and lived and died and rose again so that he could send the spirit of the living God to come and fill your life so that now you have the same opportunity from the beginning of creation that Adam had, that you have the ruach, that you have the breath of God inside of your life. You have the same, it's the original design, guys, and the enemy does not want you to have access to the original design so it wants to talk you out of it and you can't let him in fact i want you to say this right now say i will walk in the fullness of the holy spirit i will receive everything that jesus wants for me the devil will not win i will not let him i will not be talked out of the fullness 
of what Jesus paid for. God in you is the finished work of Jesus Christ. God in you is the finished work of Jesus Christ. I'm going to get to that, and I'm going to give you a verse and show you something in just a minute. But I want to finish what I was talking about the Holy Spirit here in just a moment. Because we're, when Jesus finishes describing how the, the devil would be judged, now he goes on to this. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Watch this. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority... But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit, your helper, your teacher, your guide, is your direct access to the mind of God. It's your direct access to the mind of Christ. That's why it's so important. Jesus said, I have so many things I want to tell you, but you can't handle it. You can't handle the truth right now. See, there's this thing, according to what Jesus just taught, of progressive revelation, progressive unveiling, progressive understanding of the Holy Spirit. That as you as an individual and as we as a human race become ready, the Holy Spirit will unveil and reveal more to us individually and globally, corporately, as the body of Christ in the seasons that we're ready for it, Jesus said, you, you, can't, you can't access all this right now. You can't handle it right now. But I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. And when he comes, he will begin to unwrap and unravel and, and, and show you things, not just things and remind you of things that I've said, but he'll also tell you of things to come. You have access to the mind of God, to knowing things before they happen. According to the mind of God, you can have a sixth sense where you have access to God's mind and God gives you warnings. Hey, mm -mm, don't go there. Nope, don't do that. Nope, that's not the right relationship. In fact, somebody right now listening to this, there's a temptation for you to enter into what seems like an innocent relationship. It seems like a just casual, just friends relationship. But right now, in this moment, right now, the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart. He's provoking your heart to recognize that is not the right relationship for you. You. That relation, if it seems innocent, will end in a trap and it will end in destruction. And the Holy Spirit right now is giving you a foreknowing of what could happen if you don't obey. And I charge you and I challenge you right now, obey the Holy Spirit and break off that relationship instantly, immediately, immediately, because God is trying to protect you. God can protect you from bad business dealings. He can protect you from bad partnerships. He can protect you from marrying the wrong person. Listen, there's nothing worse than marrying the wrong person. It'll ruin your life. You better hear God. Be better to be single than married to the wrong person, okay? So it's very important. You have the access to the Holy Spirit to know the mind of God, to have a sense of foreknowing, and to be able to be uh, unveiled and revealed to by the Holy Spirit as you are ready. This is an amazing thing. And then he goes on to say that all things are mine, and the Holy Spirit is going to take what I know and reveal it to you. Your access through the Holy Spirit gives you the opportunity to everything that the kingdom of God has available for you. This is a huge deal. You must receive the Holy Spirit. It's not something that I'm suggesting. 
It's something that Jesus commanded. And we'll get into that more in the next uh, couple of weeks to come. But God in you is the finished work of Jesus Christ. He's the finished work of Jesus Christ. And we must make sure that we do not miss the point. The Holy Spirit infilling, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit into our lives was the point of Jesus's ministry, not just to get us to heaven one day when we die, but to get the spirit of the living God inside of us while we're alive here on earth. And actually the Holy Spirit indwelling you, filling you up and living inside of you, according to scripture, is your guarantee of eternity. Watch this. This is Ephesians chapter one, verse 13. It says, in him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit, according to scripture, is the seal, it's the stamp, it's the, it's the affidavit, it's the, it's the notary mark, it's the proof. It's the covering, it's the guarantee, it's the down payment, it's the earnest money on your inheritance. And when you receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit into your life, you are sealed for eternity. No more are you wondering about if I'm going to heaven, it's when I'm going to heaven. And now your focus is how can I live powerfully for God right now? Yes, the goal is to get to heaven, but once you have received the seal, it's the guarantee of your inheritance, and it's not a guarantee so that you can go live crazy and act a fool. It's a guarantee so that you can rest assured. You, ha you can have the assurance of God, the guarantee of God that you have eternity sealed so now you can go and live powerfully for him and on his behalf. This is a really, really big, big deal. And the last thing that you must do today is receive the Holy Spirit into your life. Many of you already have. Uh, some of you have not yet, but today I promise you, you will. I wanna read you one last verse. This is found in John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, this is after he rose from the dead. This is after he saw Mary uh, at the tomb. He came and revealed himself to his disciples. He walks in the room, and this is what he says. Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. Remember the breath of God. Jesus, the Son of God, breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Today, God is breathing on you, and he's saying to you, receive the Holy Spirit. Wherever you are right now, sitting in your room, sitting in the living room with your family, uh, driving in a car, wherever you are, if you need to pull over, pull over. You, you need to turn some stuff off, turn some stuff off. This is a holy moment right now. It's a serious moment right now. You're about to receive the spirit of the living God inside of your life. Maybe you've prayed this before. Great, pray it again with us. Maybe you need more. I need more of the Holy Spirit. I need, I need a fresh outpouring and overflow of the Holy Spirit in my life. Maybe you do too. But this is your moment right now. Don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Receive him. Pray this with me. Say, Father, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He died for my sins. He rose again from the grave. He's alive. He ascended into heaven and he sent his Holy Spirit down to the earth to come and live inside of me. Today, I receive Jesus and I receive the Holy Spirit. Fill me all the way up. Fill me with your power. Release your gifts into my life. 
in the name of Jesus, I am filled with God's Spirit. His Spirit lives in me. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for your time. Listen, if you could sometime today, would you, would you either leave a comment down below in our, whether the Facebook feed or on the stream feed, leave a comment there that said, hey, I received the Holy Spirit today. And one of our, our staff members or team will get back to you. Or maybe you want to send us an email. Tell us your story. Share some of your testimony with us. We would love to read it. We, we, we have committed prayer people that will pray over you. If you've got specific things that you need prayer for, um, you, can, you can click on a button on the, on the website that says prayer, I believe. But you can also very easily send an email to info at oakschurch.com. Very important. Info at oakschurch.com church.com. We want to be there for you. Engage with us in the conversation. Send lots of messages back and forth with us during these services. And, and when something speaks to you and, and, and awakens something in you, uh, but, but more than that, share these messages with the people that you know need this in their life right now. I do want to thank you so much. I know so many of you right now are being so generous to help keep our church strong financially uh, and keep us alive during this crazy time. We're praying for you. We're praying for your finances. Thank you for all of you that are tithers and givers on a regular basis. It absolutely makes a difference. And remember, when you give to your church, according to the book of Hebrews, according to the words of God, you're giving to God, not man. It's not about giving to man. It's about giving to God. And when you give to God, as scripture says, that he sees it, he watches. And specifically, thank you for those of you that want to partner with us above and beyond and help us feed these kids in our city. We don't want a single kid to go hungry in our city. Not in our city. Not in our city. Not with people like you. Not with people like me. Not with us. We're going to meet these needs. We're going to take care of that. So thank you so much for your generosity. Really, really grateful. Can't wait to share next week's message with you on Palm Sunday. You may not know what that is, but don't miss it. It's going to be amazing. Next week, we're going to talk about the authority of the Holy Spirit. Oh my God, I want to preach right now. Right now. I want to preach on this. <laughs> Love you so much. You do not want to miss next week. Uh, thank you so much. For your we hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.